Um, Ruth chapter number one. Look at look at verse number one. This is uh, we're live, right? This thing's working. Great. Uh, look at this. Look at this verse of scripture again. And last week, if you remember, um, we just kind of went over this, went over this, went over this. And uh, and that's because of the statement there. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to live, sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. You ever notice this? That with the word of God, there's there's nothing uh, left to chance. Everything is there on purpose. Take that in for a sec. Right? Everything's there on purpose. And so most of us, when we're studying or reading a passage of scripture, I don't I don't know if we catch the the nuances of a Bible verse. You know, we're kind of looking for you know the main players. Of the verse, and so right away we're looking at you know there's a certain man, right? So who's this guy, right? And then we move on, and of course we're talking about Bethlehem. Maybe you get hung up on Bethlehem because it's a it's a key place for us, and we'll talk about this as this uh, book in the Bible moves on. Uh, Bethlehem becomes a key place, and I'll show you maybe even a little bit of that tonight. Uh, you know, he goes to Moab, and so for many of us we understand. That if you're an if you're an Israelite, if you're a Jew, you had no reason to be in Moab, right? So there's a lot of I think there's a lot. I'm looking at that wall because if you're back there, there's a there's a monitor there. Okay, I'm not overlooking you. I'm just looking at the monitor because the verse is there as well. And so there's a lot. I think there's a lot of uh, truth that we can pick up on, highlight, concentrate on, emphasize in verse number one, where we might miss other truth. And I think honestly, a key. A key to that verse is the statement, when the judges rule. When the judges rule. I, for one, remember when I, when, when I was coming up and being discipled, I always wanted to learn, how do you read the Bible? I mean, of course, you open it up and you read it, right? But, but, but are there techniques? Are there methods of study, right? I mean, how do you learn Scripture? I mean, it's, it's vast. You open up the Bible, as Dr. Ray Barber used to say, you're opening up the mind of God, right? I used to love the way he would begin his messages, you know, where he would say, as we open up the Bible, we're opening up to the mind of God. So let's see what God has for us, you know, in this message. I used to like when he do that. But it's true, you know, we're looking at the mind of God. And, and so why, why would that be there when the judges ruled? And so when I began to ask questions about how do you study the Bible, one of the things that came back to me was this, always ask questions, right? Try to understand several things. First of all, the context of the writing. Who's writing? Who's he writing to? Why is he writing? What's the setting of the writing, so to speak? Are you with me? And so I followed that for many years, and I, I do that every day when I read my Bible. I read my Bible this morning. I was asking questions as I was reading it. But when I read this text of Scripture, and I promise you, look over here for a second, I have preached out of the book of Ruth many times, taught it many times. I've never seen it like I saw it when I started doing this study over the past couple of weeks. I, I never did. I ne Jason, I never noticed that statement when the judges ruled. It never dawned on me. Why is that there? And I said this last week, and I highlighted again uh, a Bible verse that comes along with it. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Right. And so I think this, I think Raj, that the Lord goes out of his way to place that there so that us 
students of the word would ask, why is it there? And it would bring us back to a culture, you know, the culture in which mm, these folks live, right? We, we all live in a different culture, you know? So the culture they lived in was governed by this philosophy. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And I often thought this. I often thought every time I read that, I'll be honest with you, my mind always leaned toward sinful activity. How about you? Huh? Sinful activity. Every man did that which was right in his own. Not a bunch of stinking rebels. Right? How about you? Come on. You can agree with me once in a while. I won't kill you. <laughs> but then it dawned on me. Maybe that wasn't maybe all that's being said here. There's other ways of looking at things. And I thought this. Well, if Elimelech is a godly man, and there's evidence that he is. Well, then maybe he's not trying to rebel against God. Maybe that statement is this. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes, or they did what they thought was best. Now, I won't ask you to incriminate yourself. But did you ever do that? And you don't have to say a word right now. But have you ever done that and found out it wasn't what was best? Huh? Every man did that which he thought was best. But if you live long enough, you come to realize Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 is pretty good counsel. Trust in the Lord with and lean not. Why? Because there's a way which seems right to a man. Seems right. But it may not be. May not be. And so we already looked at the end of chapter one, basically. We went down the road and we asked this question. So how, how did this how did this turn out for our brother uh Elimelech? How did things go for him? And the answer to that was not real good. Not real good. Right? What happens? Well, what happens is this because of look at the text again, verse number one, because there's a famine in the land. Elimelech leans to his own understanding and moves his family out of Bethlehem to where? To Moab. We said this about Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the name of Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. There's a famine. Think about it. There's a famine in the house of bread. Huh? God's up to something. There's a famine in the house. Look here, if you and I, if we believe God, if we trust God, if we try to place our lives in the center of God's hands, then we have to know that every once in a while, he's going to try us and test us and nudge us. And we're going to have to just come to a place where we're either going to trust him or we're not. Correct? So there's a famine in the house of bread. Elimelech leans to his own understanding and he moves his family to Moab. And Moab in the Bible has been described as God's wash pot, right? And that what Psalm said, Moab is my wash pot. I use it as a basin to wash my feet, basically. And so here's Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, right? My God is king. And I, I think in many ways he probably lived that way, right? I don't see any evidence of him being a rebel rouser. Here's a man whose who's God is his king, and yet during a difficult time, right, he leans to his own understanding, 
and moves his family from the house of bread to the wash pot of God. Did you ever make a decision like that? Be honest. It almost seemed like that. Huh? I leaned to, I thought, I just thought I was doing the right thing. I really thought that overtime would have helped when I missed Wednesday night church or Sunday church. And I, and I, I told my boss, Steve, I told my boss I can only do it this one time. But that one time was all your boss needed because now you can't say you have a conviction any longer. Hello? And now that one time becomes once a month, and now it's twice a month, and now you're lacking the income, and it's... I can't deprive my family. Hello? How many times have I seen that play out? Many, many. Many times. Lean to his own understanding. What happens? Well, the bottom drops out of this passage of Scripture. Right? The bottom drops out. And I remember asking us this question last week. What do we do when we go through a hard time? Right? What do we do when our back's against the wall? Where do we lean when, you know, the pressure's on? What a decision has to be made. Did you ever think about that? Are you with me? Is it too warm in here? I don't want you to fall asleep. Low ceiling. I get it. But that's, that's an important question. Where do we, where, what, what do we do? Where do we lean? You notice what happens here in this text of scripture, of course. And so the story goes on, and let's read just for a little bit. It says in verse number two, of course, his name is Elimelech, his wife is Naomi. They, got, they have a couple of sons, Malon and Kilion. They're Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, came into Moab and continued there. How long did they continue there? Ten years. They stayed there for ten years. Verse 3, what happens? Well, Elimelech dies. Right? And now here's Naomi in Moab with her two sons. Right? We, we, look, we looked at that last week. Not a good place to be. Right? But I think this, to pay attention right here. She was there long enough, and she had been, she had been, her tolerance level had been lowered enough, and she had been tempered enough that even after her husband dies, She's got two sons. She still doesn't decide to say to them two boys, let's pack it up and go back home. Remember we said this, and you can, I don't know if any of you traced it or not, but it's really true that Moab wasn't that far of a journey from Bethlehem. And so in a couple of days, she could have been back home. She could have taken those two boys and said, listen, this is a bad move. It didn't work out. Let's go back home. But it's just amazing that when you get yourself into a backslidden state, you just don't think right. You just don't think right. Huh? They say this about being in sin, that you're almost insane. <laughs> you know, when you're out of the will of God, it's just hard sometimes to think properly and correctly. You okay? It's all right. Just turn it off. We'll be all right. It's okay. We won't send you to Moab. It's all right. Relax. It's all good. Next week, sitting back. And so, and so here, here, here they are in Moab, Limelight. Now the two boys are growing up. What do they do? Malon, Chilion, Kilion. They they get married. They marry. Find a Moabite girls. They get married. Process of time. I don't know how long of time, but in the process of time, they die. So here's here's Naomi, widowed. 
two daughters-in-law. Names are Ruth and Orpah. Right here they are. Who said Oprah? Good try. Uh, I heard I heard I heard one one preacher say about Orpah. You know that when the mother-in-law said, "Go ahead and leave," she did leave and went and started the TV show. <laughs> uh, so anyway, here she is. She's in she's in Moab. Two daughter-in-laws, no sons. Look, look here. Listen to this. Think about this. A widow woman in that time without a son, without a husband, who her husband died, without a son, she had no rights to almost nothing. Right, so here she is, and I and I like I, I think we pointed out last week these words. What was left? You know, there's always something left, right? After bad decisions, even after good decisions, but after bad decisions, there's always something left. And here's left this widow woman and her two widow daughter-in-law in the land of Moab. But then in verse number six, everything changes. Look at verse number six. Then she arose. Naomi and her daughters-in-law, that she might, I like the word, I have it highlighted in my Bible. What's the word? Return. 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 You can preach a message right out, right out of that word, return. Return from, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Right? So what's she going to do now? She's going back. She's going back home. She's going to return back home. And that could be a picture of a lot of things. That could be a picture of repentance. That could be a picture of revival. That can be a picture of uh, restitution, reconciliation, right? She's going to return, right? And that's a good thing. And so what, what does she do? Of course, she talks to her daughters-in-law and, you know, says to them, listen, I'm going back home. You're young. Why don't you just go and, and find, you know, make a life for yourself? Orpah, she does. She leaves her mother-in-law. You look at that verse number 14 uh, of the text. Right? Look what it says. And they lifted their voice. And again, Norpa kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth, what did Ruth do? And she, she just, she hung on. She just hung on. And she said, verse 15, she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law, Naomi speaking, is gone back unto her people, and unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law. She said, Ruth, just go ahead. Just go make a life for yourself. And that's where we read verse number 16. Ruth said this. She said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. She said, verse 17, where thou diest, will I die? There I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee in me. You know, the next time I marry a couple, I might use those words. Pretty good. Huh? <laughs> Look at verse 18. When she saw that she was steadfast, this is Naomi. When she saw that she was steadfast, minded to go with her, she just said, All right, let's go. What else am I going to say? You're not listening, so right. <clears throat> and from that, we 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 noted this last last time, and I'm going to try to get it. Get to the spot where I want to be. We noted this. We noted the choice that Ruth made. And I know, I know we just read these words and, and it just becomes so academic, right? How many of you read that, read that before? Heard it before? But think about it. Think, think about what she's saying here. 
She's a Moabite. Now pay attention. She's a Moabite. Raised up as a Moabite. And did you notice what, what, what uh, Naomi said to her? Return unto your God. Huh? Naomi knew that the Moabites didn't worship her God. So she says, go, go, go back to your people. Go back to your gods. And this young lady, this Ruth, and I don't know how long her and, and, uh, and when she was married to one of the boys, I don't know what the, what the time frame is there. It wasn't that long. Even if it was 10 years, it wasn't 10 years. But even if it was, that's not real. That's not that long. But she says to her in this passage of scripture, entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. And then she makes these statements. And I wrote this down in my notes. I shared it last week quickly. And I want to go back over it so that you can see it. When she makes this choice, what she's choosing here, ultimately, yeah. Did you get the statement I made last week? I didn't have it up on the screen, but I want to make it again. I said this. You need to remember that many times the decisions that we make will ultimately make us. Isn't that right? The choices, the decisions that we make in life will ultimately make us. Huh? Let me just let me just give you a, just a for instance. I'm so glad that Donna, after you and I got saved, we joined the right church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little house church. It wasn't much, but it was an independent, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist church. And they believed what they said they believed. Huh? Now, there were some things that I, I no longer agree with what that, that they did, but they were young. It was a young church, young pastor, first-generation first pastor. And I'm so glad about it. You know what? Because they had midweek service, and Don and I, we got to go to prayer meeting. And guess what? After 40-some years, we're still doing we're still going to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Amen. And so the decisions that we make will ultimately make us. You get it? And so the decision she makes here, I think, is really important. Uh, she says this, where you go, I will go. Or in other words, she's choosing, she's choosing a path in life. Have you, have you considered the path that you've chosen in life? I mean, many of many of you now are maybe raising children or have influence in your grandchildren's lives. And I would hope that we would lend that influence to make sure they're choosing the right path. Right? Because there's a lot of different directions you can go. But basically, it comes down to two. You can go the right way or the wrong way. Right? I mean, all the different directions we can go, it just comes down to two. Just that fork in the road. You're going to do right. You're going to do your own thing. She said this, your people will be my people. Your people will be my people. She's not only choosing a path, she's choosing a people. Your people will be my people. You remember, how many of us have been around long enough when you started going to church, you started to hear your pastor, your preacher, talking about the need to separate? You got real quiet all of a sudden. Uh, You ever hear messages about separation? And there's some people that we just should not be around because they're going to pull us down? many times I've illustrated that with teenagers by standing up on the platform, having one of them stand down on the floor, grabbing hold of their hand and, and, and asking, you know, just say, now let me see if I can pull you up, you know, and I get this big old boy, I can't pull him up. Then I say, they're trying to pull me down. It's a whole lot easier for him, him to pull me down than for me to pull him up. I used to preach that to teenagers all the time. Talking about the need to separate from certain individuals that will pull you down. 
She said, your people will be my people. I think it's important for us to be around the right kind of people. Amen. Come on, say amen right there. Amen. It's important to get the, the right voices in your ear and to put yourself in the right arena of people. Because if not, you're going to really get messed up. And I'm not talking about unsaved people all the time. Sometimes the wrong people are Christian people who are backslidden. They have no desire to be what God wants them to be. The will of God is not their desire. All they're trying to do is get through as easy as they can in the very comfortable format. Man, you ought not let that voice be in your ear. Amen? I'm preaching hard. I don't mean to preach. She said this, where you die, I'll die. She chose a partner. Right? I think when Don and I got married 105 years ago, we said this at the end of the... the, uh, the uh, the vows, right? Until death do us part. We've been trying to kill each other for 50 years now. <laughs> but look what she's saying. Where you die, I'll die. In other words, she's choosing a partner. I mean to tell you, I'm with you for life. That's good stuff, isn't it? And then, and then she says this, your God will be my God. That's a good plan. Your God will be my God. What a choice. She says that in verse 17, right? And then in verse number 18, you know, she just, and Naomi says, man, when I saw that she was steadfast and minded to go, I, <laughs> right? See the consistency of Ruth. And that continues through the book. And we'll see that as we read through um, and study out the book of Ruth. And I wrote this down, and I want to highlight it again. I left off here last week. Pay attention to this. See if this is true for you. Life has the tendency to distract us. Right? I get distracted all the time. I really do. I do. I have to fight distraction. You know, um, summertime, fishing, put me on the boat one day, Craig, I want to be on the boat the next day. I want to come back off the boat, gain some strength, go back out of the boat. Put me on the golf course, um, I want to golf the next day and the next day. And, you know, I just have an kind of an addicted person, I get, I can get distracted easily. Life can distract me. I, I need to be careful. I really do. Uh, and I think this, I think every once in a while, listen to this statement, we need to be reminded of the commitments that we've made. Because sometimes we make commitments and we have absolutely good intentions in, in the commitment making. However, because we get distracted in life, we let off off some of those commitments. Right? Here, here's one. Here's an easy one. I'm going to read the Bible every day this year. What's today's date? 17. 17 days into it. I won't ask you. How you doing with that? Huh? I'm going to read the Bible every day this year. Right? And then if we're not careful, well, you know, we woke up late one day and we got this the next day. Kids got to get here and that's got to get picked up there. And now I'm down to two days a week. We need to be reminded of our commitments. Why? Because life has the tendency to distract us. All of us. Not a bad thing, it's just life. <laughs> the way we live in, these, in this world, right? And here's the thing. We need to learn to consistently fulfill those commitments. I do want you to see this Bible verse. I hate it, but it's, it's in the Bible. <laughs> when thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou is bad. Look, look at this. 
better it is that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. That's in the book. Look here, aren't, aren't there some passages you take out if you could? There are for me. I'll be honest. I throw them out right, right away. Get rid of them. But it's in the book. It's better that you just be quiet than to speak it and not fulfill it. If I were to go on and read, he goes on and says something like this in that in that passage. And, and don't don't try to say you uttered that statement by mistake. Do you read the rest of that? I really didn't mean I was going to fast today. I know I said I was going to fast, but I didn't know Donna was making my favorite meal. Uh, right? So what's he talking about here? He's talking about being consistent with, or at least in this text, with our commitments. Being consistent with our commitments. Right? Can I tell you the people that I admire most? Not the perfect people in the church because I wouldn't have anybody to admire. <laughs> right? It's those who are just committed to that cause. You know? And just constant, just continual, just continual. You know, those of you who are here tonight, just continue. I mean, listen, if you had called out tonight, 105 degrees below zero, black ice everywhere, right? But where are you? For me, right? That's a commitment. Praise the Lord for that. Let's close this up. What time of day is it? We need to get a clock somewhere so I can see where we are. It's already, it's already nine o'clock. Look, look at the next. Look at the next couple of verses here. We're going to close this up. So in verse number 18, she decides, you know what? I got to stay here with you. So they too, verse 19, went until they came to Bethlehem. It came to pass when they were coming to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? Now she's been gone for at least 10 years, right? Look here, Dad. Ten years ages you, right? I guess you get. But you know what ages you even worse? Being out of the will of God. Huh? You know what? You know what ages you most? Being bitter. You know, listen. The ladies, by the way, I can prove to you because it's in the feminine tense that it's the ladies that say. See that word they? That's feminine in this in this verse. They said, is this Naomi? Huh? Is this Naomi or they? <laughs> they were talking to each other. What happened to her? <laughs> Look what she says in verse next. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very Bitterly with You know what the name Naomi means? It's pleasant. It's pleasant. You know what the name Mara means? It's bitter. No longer call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Yes, sir. Well, in the Old Testament, you have Miriam. Really, the word Miriam is the same thing. And also, we find Mary. The name Mary is exactly the anglicization of Miriam. In the New Testament, the name Mary. A lot of girls named Mary. People don't realize their names. Their children are better. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it is a derivative of it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But think about that for a second. So instead of calling me pleasant, Naomi, call me Mara. Hmm. You know what I see here? I see the complaint of Naomi. Notice what she says here. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. And then she she built on that. Look, verse next, 21. She said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again. What? Empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? Man, she's got her finger. She's, she's, just, she's just pointing to God. Huh? Bitter. Basically, here's what she's saying. She's saying this, God has made my life miserable. <laughs> wow. I left with plenty. I come back with nothing. And the Lord's caused all that. That's what she's mm -hmm. saying. He's condemned me. When, when, when that word testified against me, basically means he's condemned me. You know what I would say? She's got short memory. She's a bit confused. But you know what? When you deal with people who are out in the will of God, backslid, bitter. Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever talk to somebody about? Did you ever talk to somebody who has just been maybe it's a friend or relative, and they've been they've been like you, you got two cousins or two brothers or two whatevers, and they just been a, been estranged forever, and then you go to them and you say, so you know Billy Bob and Susie Q, what what's the problem? They don't even remember what they're what they're mad about. It's been so long, it's been so embellished. They've entertained it in such a way that they, they've taken it from being reality to being fiction. Huh? Because if you don't deal with a situation, when that situation occurs, it just in your mind blows that thing up. Man, nobody's ever had that. I'm the only person that has problems in this church. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? There's a lot. There's a lot of truth. She's all messed up here. Her thinking's not straight. Huh? No, it was. It wasn't God's dealing. She look here. She stepped out of the will of God, and that's what happens. And the longer you stay out of the will of God, what do you expect to happen? He's not going to come visit you and say, "Okay, listen, this is where you live." All right. I'll compromise. Let's let's set up shop here in Moab. I'll bless you in Moab. Everything will be okay. I'll build your house in Moab. No. No, God's going to stay true to God. To his word. That's the way it is. A backslidden heart. Listen, a backslidden heart is always moving in the wrong direction. A backslidden heart is always moving in the wrong direction. However, there's a silver lining here. And the silver lining, look at verse next. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. <laughs> the, the the silver lining. They can get this now. The silver lining. She's in a she's in a good place. She's in a place where she can be restored. Right. So so the backslider. She comes up even though she's bitter. Even though she's, man, she's, she's all messed up, her thinking's all messed up, she's in a good place. It's kind of like when somebody comes back to church, 
right? You don't walk in, in the back doors of open Bible Baptist Church and all of a sudden everything's okie dokie, everything's great. No, you're still as messed up as before you came in. But you took a step in the right direction and you're in the right place where now you can hear the word of God, be with the people of God. Return, repent, get revived, be reconciled. Amen. And so she's she's in a good place. And I just made a foot, footnote here in my notes, and I, I said this to me. Be careful when you lean to your own understanding. Would you hear, if you heard nothing else, would you hear that tonight? Be careful when you lean to your own understanding. Be careful when you become obstinate. Be careful when all you see is the negative. Be careful when all you want to do is point out somebody's failures or wrongs or your dislikes. Because you're on the verge of becoming a bitter, bitter person. Huh? Bitter person. And that's not a good, good place to be. Always try to evaluate, uh, validate your decisions with the word of God. And trust the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Last week, I, I know I closed. I close with this statement. I said this, you and I, we live between two worlds every day. Isn't that true? Right? We do. Uh, two cultures, two philosophies. And I said two roads. Every day. We have choices to make every day. And I think it's important, you know this. I think it's important to know which way you'll go when you come to the fork in the road. You don't make up your mind then. Right? Isn't it, isn't it true? It happens to me, at least. Every time a decision has to be made, all of a sudden something comes up that's offered. And then before I even get a chance to pray about it, two other things pop up that kind of confuse me. Ever happen to you? Yeah, I'm going I'm to buy this car, buy this house, or I'm going to take this job. And all of a sudden it looks so clear. And then all of a sudden, oh, here's another car. Wait a second. Don't buy that boat. Here's one a little bit cheaper. Don't, don't take that job. This one's a little bit easier. Now I'm all confused. What do I do? That's when you really have to get alone with God. And trust him with all your heart. And if you know that you're going to take the right road before the decision is made, you'll take the right road when you make a decision. Did you hear that? It's important. How do we come to that place? Well, the psalmist said this, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light in my path. God's word will never misdirect. It always, it always leads you to where he wants you to be. Always will, if you'll use it that way. Like the psalmist said last week, make me, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Make me to go in that direction. It's almost like I'm, I'm caught. I'm just begging to please don't let me go in the way I want it. Don't let me lean to my own understanding. Amen. Maybe that'll be our prayer tonight, this week. Amen. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.